Hello, all y'all. Welcome into the show that is all about y'all. I'm John Rawl, and this is Talk with a Southern Accent. This is the Y'all Show Tuesday edition. Hope you're doing good across the southeast on a soggy day for some of you who are being affected by the remnants of Tropical Storm Fred as it came in on the Florida Panhandle on Monday. We'll give you some news out of the weather front of the south in a moment. I'm John Rawl, the general of all things Southern. Thank you for being a part of the show, powered by y'all.com. Y'all.com is the South's homepage, and we really, really would love for you to go on by there and check out what's up at y'all.com, and also go to Facebook and like the y'all.com page on Facebook. We appreciate all the people who've done just that. I get the alerts, actually, when you when you sign up, so thank you for being great Southerners and keeping up with us on the social media front on the y'all.com Facebook page. Okay, what do we have planned for you today on the Y'all Show? In addition to talking about Tropical Storm Fred, we've got a little bit of Afghanistan-related news to pass along as feedback coming in. We'll have a lot more of the Afghanistan feedback when we have our political report on today's Y'all Show, but... Yes, an ugly situation right now and a lot of criticism of Joe Biden and the Biden administration's handling of the ending of America's role in Afghanistan after 20 years. That's coming up in our political report. But before we get to that spot here in hour number one, we will continue on with headlines across the southeast today. And amongst the headlines is some COVID-related stories. We will tell you about how... The United States is looking to likely authorize COVID booster shots as the Delta variant continues to cause havoc around the country. In Nashville, over a 1,000 students in Metro Nashville schools are in a quarantine right now due to COVID-19. That's out. Plus, speaking of the state of Tennessee and COVID-19, do you remember we told you several weeks ago about the vaccinations director of the volunteer state and how she had someone mail something in the mail to her and it was a really big story someone mailed a muzzle and then just a few days later she was out and moving on to another opportunity well we actually now will tell you some news about this former vaccination official of the state of tennessee and also what was just announced from virginia as she just took a job in Northern Virginia, Dr. Michelle Fiscus, in the news for two different reasons out of Nashville. And the first one, I'm not sure the second one's going to happen because of the first story that we'll report today about Dr. Fiscus. She's in a lot of, I won't say hot water, but some controversy about this woman from Tennessee that we'll discuss as we move along with our headlines. Also this week in the state of Maryland, The hometown of author Alex Haley remembered the Roots author, as this week would have been Alex Haley's 100th birthday. And right there in Annapolis, the capital of the state of Maryland, they honored the man that wrote Roots, the saga of an American family. And then in the late 70s, that got turned into this massive miniseries that ABC aired, I believe. And we'll tell you more about the commemoration of Alex Haley in his native Maryland, and he also grew up part of his life 
in West Tennessee. We'll discuss that in our headlines across the South today. If you're a parrot head, I'm sorry to tell you this, but Jimmy Buffett is right now in the process of rescheduling shows, and some of those are right here in the South. I don't know what's going on. A release that has come out from the Jimmy Buffett organization and at jimmybuffett.com says that a couple of shows right now are affected. Most of these are on into 2022, but I will bring you the latest, and this is big news, the latest on Jimmy Buffett's tour schedule when we go through our headlines today. And there are a lot of parrot heads across the southeast, and going to a Jimmy Buffett concert is a out-of-life experience for some of y'all. We'll have that here on today's Y'all Show. Plus, how about if you can't make it to a Jimmy Buffett concert soon, you might have a chance to see a big, gigantic steam locomotive as there is a tour going on across several states, many of which are in the south right now. And you'll get a chance to see this big, giant steam locomotive, Big Boy number 4014. And he's going to be in the New Orleans area this weekend. I'll try to do my best to find well, where's Casey Jones when you when you need him. We'll try to get the latest on this big gigantic train, the world's largest operating steam locomotive on a tour across much of the country and several of the southern states are part of this tour. If you've ever wanted to see a big old train, I'm talking the old school old west type train, you might have your chance in New Orleans this weekend, but throughout the south you might have a chance to glance at coming down a railroad track near you. Those are some of the news headlines today. We'll also have the sports headlines. In fact, this might be the number one news headline of the day. Tim Tebow is no longer a Jacksonville Jaguar. That's right. His old boss, his old boss, I say boss, I guess he could have been on the payroll. His old coach at the University of Florida, Urban Meyer, now the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and Urban Meyer had to tell Tim to go on back to his dorm room or wherever they're staying and get his binder, his big collection of plays and other information on the Jaguars, and he was cut, cut by the Jags, and he will no longer be able to chase his dream of being a tight end. Now, normally when a cut happens in a training camp, you hope you can catch on with another team. Based on the reaction that Tebow gave, it looks like he's not going to keep trying to get on to an NFL roster as a tight end. I think he's okay with his sports career perhaps winding down. Although, hey, he can do just like that former NBA player's done. Maybe Tim Tebow could switch over and be one heck of a golfer, and we could see him trying to make it onto the PGA Tour soon. I don't know if he's any good at golf or not, but he's he's good at a lot of things. Why not be good at golf? Tim Tebow news, that's the big sports headline of today. And as we continue our discussion of all things Southern here and our all things discussion of college football, today on the Y'all Show, we're going to take you to North Avenue, our featured school on our 44-city tour today is the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. And I have one question, all you Tech fans. Get ready for it. What's the good word? And if you are a Tech fan, you know exactly what to yell back my way. That's a tradition at the Institute, and we will discuss that tradition, and we'll discuss the many great traditions of Georgia Tech, a program that has won several national championships on the gridiron and have been into Final Fours for basketball. Just a quality athletic program 
a quality school, a, a school, of course, that was part of the SEC for a long time before they divorced the SEC back in the 1960s. And we'll discuss Bobby Dodd. We'll discuss Bobby Ross and his 1990 National Championship at the Institute. And just talk about Jeff Collins, the new coach. You'll get a chance to hear Coach Jeff Collins just after practice here on today's Y'all Show. All that on our spotlight of Georgia Tech. Hour one, we'll walk through the schedule. Hour three, we will take you to the traditions, the famous alumni, and we'll also just kind of discuss the role of the Georgia Institute of Technology and traditions and so much more. And you're not going to believe one of the most famous alumni of Georgia Tech is a guy you probably would never have thought would have ever stepped on campus, much less be an alumnus of Georgia Tech. And we'll share who that is in our spotlight of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. To hell with Georgia. All right, coming up also in today's Y'all Show, we've got a look at entertainment news and notes. And we've got a lot of big entertainment news and notes to be sharing with you today, including Morgan Freeman filming a new movie in his state capital. What is that all about? Some country music news that we'll be sharing with you. All that in our entertainment headlines, plus hour two today. How much money a single person needs to earn to get by in every U.S. state. CNBC has just put out an article called that, and you can just weigh what they say with the reality of where you are. How much does it really cost for a single person to get by in each U.S. state? We'll have that. Plus, we've got a little food talk coming your way, hour two. But it's actually a combination of food and helping you out. Customer service, it's kind of a important safety thing in hour two we're going to talk about grill safety and your homeowner's insurance i have seen houses burned down with my own eyes because someone let a grill get out of control so we'll talk about some tips some helpful information if you're a person that likes to go outside and fire up the old grill you might want to pay close attention and this comes to us courtesy of the website clearsurance.com. Grill safety as well as homeowners insurance all discussed in hour two today. Plus hour three, Melissa Rhodes drops by with a southern accent on the arts and entertainment of the region. And more headlines right here on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Our email address, if you want to reach out to us that way, we certainly would love to hear from you sometime. It is mail, M-A-I-L, mail at Y-A-L-L dot com, mail at y'all dot com. And again, that text line, we love to hear from y'all, text line that you can reach us at your own schedule, whatever you're doing. If you're at work and you just can't find the time to dial up a couple of numbers and hit us, feel free, whenever you can, to text us at 803 816-1170, 24-7, that's available, and we want to hear from you right here on Talk With a Southern Accent. All right, let's get into what's going on news headlines today, and we know that Fred came ashore the Florida Panhandle around the Panama City area, also around Apalachicola came came in on Monday, and as it has worked its way northward with flooding and more taking place across several southern states, I have a report out of America's Georgia, that's in South Georgia, and as the sun came up over that portion of the Peach State today, 
significant damage from what's now the Tropical Depression, Fred, as the storm, as it worked its way up through Georgia. Reports of tornadoes in Coweta and Meriwether counties in Georgia. In Sumter County, the America's Georgia Police Department shared several photos of major damage to homes. Crews have asked people to avoid the area of Wanda Way and Sharon Circle in America's Georgia with trees down, including one that fell through the roof of a home in America's Georgia. So be very, very careful traveling if you're in that part of Georgia today. This storm again moving northward at this point and weakening as it goes northward. But we know that it had uh, weather, the storm at one point had wind gusts or wind maximum sustained winds around 65 miles per hour when it came across the Florida panhandle. And today it is centered more toward the Bristol area of Virginia and Tennessee as it's going through Appalachia at this point and it's well north of Atlanta. But again, some of the heaviest rain expected from this weren't exactly on the coast. It was expected to be real heavy in northeast Georgia, that western corner of South Carolina in Oconee and Cherokee counties in that state. And also you've got western North Carolina that's going to feel the brunt of a lot of the rain and the threat of isolated tornadoes today into Wednesday. So check out your le- local weather forecast, check out weather.com to catch capture the latest of what's going on with Fred as it hopefully will get on out of here and luckily as of now I don't have any reports of deaths or serious injury but we do know there's been a lot of damage from a property standpoint with Fred's arrival here in the south this week and then there's that other storm I think it's called Grace that is churning in the Caribbean possibly could come into the southeast in the next few days we'll keep our eye on that as well quickly to a international story here on the y'all show according to the white house the taliban has agreed to allow civilians safe passage i don't know how much stock i'd hold into that but according to a statement from the white house jake sullivan who works at the white house he's a white house national security advisor and he had a press briefing there at the White House press room today. According to him, the Taliban have agreed to allow safe passage from Afghanistan for civilians hoping to join a U.S.-directed airlift from the capital. Sullivan acknowledged reports that some civilians were encountering resistance, being turned away or pushed back or even beaten as they tried to reach the Kabul International Airport. He said that very large numbers were reaching the airport and the problem of others was being taken up with the Taliban who, again, over just the course of a couple of hours, took over the entire country and really disrupted the evacuation efforts of American personnel and American military, those who worked at the embassy. And frankly, anybody that was an outsider, this is a horrible situation. And we know the Taliban, we know this country, Afghanistan, is a country that doesn't necessarily measure up with a country like America, a country that has been respected worldwide of, of being a, a superpower at this point. This is a what we call third world country. And it's a third world country that's been greatly impacted by their religious beliefs. And these people aren't exactly friends of freedom-loving America or its allies. 
And I think heck's going to be paid to anybody who was a supporter of America while in Afghanistan or anybody who wanted to equalize or make women's rights an issue there. The Taliban is going to come out with a lot of vengeance, and it's going to get ugly, and it's going to continue to be ugly. And it's going to be ugly for any American still there. If there are an estimated 75,000 Taliban members, I think that's the number I'm hearing, there can't be more than a handful, a couple of thousand of Americans, even if they have guns and other things to defend themselves. Ultimately, 75,000 is a whole lot more than a couple of thousand Americans, many of which probably aren't even military trained. They're just civilian workers with the embassy there and such that are stuck at this airport. This potentially could be not only, to me, it kind of reminds me not only of an episode of the 1970s with Saigon and the effort to get out of there. It reminds me of Jim Jones in the 1970s when people tried to, some people tried to get away from the airport or go to that airport down there in South America, and they got slaughtered. Some of which are, did you realize there's a congresswoman from San Francisco area is in Congress now, and she got shot. I forgot her name, but she's been in Congress a long time, and she was part of a congressman's staff that was down there. He might have been the one that got killed in 1979, Jim Jones, Jonestown. And this kind of reminds me a little bit about that with people trying to go to an airport and evacuate and essentially being surrounded by, I'll just say it, some crazy people who, who could care less. And they got the thrill of victory going. They got the momentum, the Taliban. I mean, they just defeated the world's largest superpower. They just defeated Russia 20 years ago, 25, whenever it was, 40 years ago, when the Soviet Union had invaded there. This is a a, a third world country with a lot of moxie and a lot of ability to defend the big giant world powers and right now our thoughts are certainly with all those who are stuck on that airport tarmac in kabul or anywhere else in that country hoping to escape with their lives it's a very very dark situation coming from that part of the world at this point y'all talk with a southern accent we will continue to have our news headlines as we march through this tuesday edition when we come back, we're going to switch over, give you a quick sports update. Tim Tebow cut by the Jacksonville Jarek Wars. We'll let you know about that and more as the Y'all Show continues. Don't go anywhere. We're back on talk with an accent on all things Southern with your host, John Rawl. This is our program direct from the Dixie Cafe where we put a little Southern in everything we do here at Y'all Talk with an accent on all things Dixie, including right here at the Dixie Cafe. And right now we're going to put a little Southern emphasis on a sports report for you. And the story from the NFL today Tim Tebow has been released by the Jacksonville Jaguars, and that ends the former Heisman Trophy winner's 
quest to come back to the NFL, this time as a tight end, the Jacksonville area native and 2007 Heisman Trophy winner. He was let go in the first round of cuts the Jaguars are making. Tim Tebow went on Twitter and posted a message after he was released. He thanked the Jaguars for giving him a chance. As he put, thankful for the highs and even the lows, the opportunities and the setbacks. I've never wanted to make decisions out of fear of failure, and I'm grateful for the chance to have pursued a dream. Thank you for the Jaguars organization and everyone who has supported me in this journey. And we know God works all things together for good. Romans 8, 28. Put only the way Tim Tebow could do it. Head coach Urban Meyer with his own statement saying, we knew that it was an uphill battle for Tim. Players loved him. Locker room loved him. But it was the right move. Now, Tim Tebow, in his short time with the Jacksonville Jaguars, he played 16 snaps and was targeted once in the Jags' 23-13 loss to Cleveland over the past weekend there at Tia Bankfield in Jacksonville. He was the only Jags tight end that did not play a special team snap and Coach Urban Meyer said that was a big reason Tim Tebow, was in, he ended up being let go. Now, right now, NFL teams are trying to chisel down their roster to 85. That is the number they've got to reach by tomorrow. So that's why it's a little stunning that Tim Tebow would already be sent packing here on a Tuesday when the Jags could have waited until Wednesday when they decided to reduce their roster down to 85. The NFL this year doing something a little bit different. They've got a staggered cut system. They're cutting down to 85 this week. I think it's down to 80 next week. Ultimately, the active roster will be at 53 when the season begins in early September. But Tim Tebow, who was drafted back in 2010 as the 25th pick overall by the Denver Broncos, And to my knowledge, still the only quarterback to go one-for-one in a playoff game. He threw one pass for the Broncos in that overtime deal, and it went for a touchdown. It was a walk-off win for the Broncos back several years ago when he was suiting up in Denver. But congratulations for even getting out there. Perhaps we'll we'll get to see more of Tim Tebow now on the SEC Network. And you'll see him more visiting churches around the country as he's very passionate about his faith and a lot of people very passionate about Tim Tebow, wishing him all the best. And, again, a job well done, even though it goes down as a a failed effort to make it onto the active roster of an NFL team. He went out there and proved he could at least weather the storm of being an active player at over 30 years old, by the way. And he still looks pretty fit you got to admit that, too. Just needed to learn how to block a little more. Maybe that's his next challenge is to learn how to be a blocker. This story is not a southern story, but is an interesting story out of the world of college football. The Wolfpack, not the ones in Raleigh, but the ones that play in Reno, Nevada. The Nevada Wolfpack are moving their training camp to Stanford University in Palo Alto, California. And the Wolfpack are moving because of the poor air quality caused by wildfires in Northern California. The Dixie Fire is taking place not all that far from the Reno campus. Jay Norvell and his Wolfpack are moving 
They're going to hold a scrimmage at Stanford before returning to campus this coming weekend as air quality problems have prevented the Wolfpack from scrimmaging during camp and limited what a team can do during practice. Nevada does not have an indoor practice facility, and there are none in the area that the team could use effectively. So they're taking their Wolfpack and meandering all the way over to Stanford's campus for a couple of days of practice. To the golf world, this weekend it is the first of the playoff in the PGA Tour. It's the Northern Trust, and that's going to be held at that golf course that overlooks New York City. I guess it's technically in New Jersey where this thing is located, but it's a beautiful backdrop for this weekend's event, the first of the playoffs, the Northern Trust. And we can tell you that the field is set as the top 125 golfers go to New York City this weekend for the first leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs. And I'll tell you who the bottom five that just barely got into this thing, and then we'll tell you here who did not make it. Who did not make it, who was right on the cusp of packing their bags and participating in the FedEx playoffs. Camilo Viegas, very good Latin American golfer, he missed out. Bo Hogue missed out. How about Patrick Rogers? I believe he's a former Stanford golfer. He missed out. Ryan Army. Ryan Armour missing out. And then with the 126th position, this guy was competing hard at the Wyndham Championship this past weekend in Greensboro, and he just missed out. The 2016 gold medal winner, Justin Rose of England, will not be in the FedEx playoff. Who did make it? Former Georgia Tech golfer Chesson Hadley. He just got in. And the 125th position for the upcoming playoffs, Chesson Hadley who is a Raleigh, North Carolina native. Speaking of Georgia Tech, they're going to be our featured college today, so go Jackets, Chesson Hadley. Chesson Hadley is 34 years old. He's been on the tour for quite some time. He's got a total of six professional wins, only one win on the PGA Tour. His win on the PGA Tour came back in 2014 when he won the Puerto Rico Open. Kevin Stallings. He just barely got in at number 24. Bryce Garnett making it. Dylan Fratelli, the South African, he got in. And then this one here I don't recognize from his Twitter handle, so bear with me. I'm going to have to do a little cheating here to figure out who the heck. I'll just click on that because I don't recognize the Twitter handle for this golfer. It looks like it is. Mm, Come on now. Okay, no wonder I had not heard of him. I have never heard of this golfer. Anirban Lahiri, who claims Palm Palm Beach Gardens as a residence. He's got 13,000 Twitter followers. Maybe I should have known who this is, but uh, here's a guy who is just getting into the FedEx playoffs. So good luck, Mr. Lahiri. And let me remind you who he is so that you don't sound as ignorant as I am. He is an Indian. He's born in 1987 in Pune, India, and claims Palm Beach Gardens as his residence. He hailed from a Bengali family, learned to play golf at the age of eight from his daddy, and has had some success. He's won twice on the European Tour, and I don't think he has won ever on the PGA Tour. That's the reason I had not heard of him, but he's won a lot on the 
Asian Tour, and again two wins on the European Tour. And I don't, I don't ever remember seeing him play on a PGA Tour event, but I'm sure he has at some point. But he's just made it in the Southerner by the grace of India, Anirban Lahiri just got into the FedEx Cups and the playoffs of the FedEx Cup playoffs of PGA Tour Golf. So there you have it. That is what's going on Southern golf-wise. If you had a chance to tune in to this past weekend's golf coverage, they had the on NBC Sunday afternoon the young men or boys, the amateur, and a golfer from Michigan won that. I didn't see it the previous weekend. A golfer from my home county won the girls' amateur, the women's amateur, if, if that's what it's called. And she is a Kentucky golfer. And she won. She, she plays at the University of Kentucky. And I just have to give a very, very big shout-out to this golfer who, again, hails from Lexington County, South Carolina. Jensen Castle won the U.S. women's amateur the previous weekend and what a cr- tremendous feat she went into that thing with like the 60th position to try to win that and she ended up winning it and my mom i talked to her it's always important when your mom tells you about golf and she told me that she saw a local report there in south carolina about jensen castle winning this prestigious golf tournament the women's amateur and she did, she ran out of clothes she she kind of knew her golf game and assumed that she wouldn't be around for more than a two or three days, and she ends up being there for that entire event and won the women's amateur and I guess had to go in and get some dirty clothes and wear them. Or either she went to the hotel and got a little clothes washing at the hotel laundromat. And I've done that. You likely have done that too. Not exactly your preferred choice while traveling, but uh, I got lucky one time at the hotel I was staying in. The thing that takes your coins wasn't working so i got to wash my clothes and dry them and it didn't even cost me anything of course i was probably paying 200 dollars a night to stay there so i think the hotel was going to manage without their money coming from me extra money coming in for me but that's a quick look at some southern sports news here on today's y'all show when we come back stay with us because we are going to continue on our tour across the southeast as we're breaking it down 44 colleges in 44 days of getting you ready for the start of college football. Today, it's all about the rambling wreck of Georgia Tech. As the Jackets are our spotlight school, we'll tell you all about the 2021 season for Jeff Collins and the ball club. That's ahead on y'all. Go Jackets! The South and college football have enjoyed a love affair for more than 150 years. And the Y'all Show is getting y'all ready for the biggest year college football's ever had. We're on a 44-city tour of Dixie's great college football teams. John Rawl is getting you ready when the toe meets leather Labor Day weekend. So get your chin strap on and get ready for today's Southern College Football Tour stop. Here's Johnny. Up with the white and gold. Hello, I'm John Rawl. This is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. And it's Atlanta, Georgia, where we are today, specifically North Avenue. And we're talking about the rambling wreck of Georgia Tech, our latest stop on our voyage across the South. 
getting you ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. Yes, it is all Georgia Tech here, and that's one of the two famous songs that Jacket fans yell when they're at Bobby Dodd Stadium. That other song, well, you might have heard of this one, one of the more famous college football fight songs. It's Ramblin' Wreck. Here's more of the Georgia Tech marching band getting you ready for Jacket Stalk here on Talk With a Southern Accent. Jackets, I'm a rambling, gambling hell of an engineer. I think I am. I, I think I am. I think I am. Georgia Tech, the engineering school in Atlanta, Georgia, with a proud history. Today, we're going to hear an hour number one, walk through the 2021 schedule for the white and gold, and also tell you more about head coach Jeff Collins, who enters his third season at Georgia Institute of Technology getting ready to guide this ACC Coastal Division school into a great journey on the gridiron. And we'll also hear today on the show in hour number three, tell you more about the Georgia Institute of Technology, its founding in Atlanta, some of the great things that happened there at this prestigious school, as well as in hour number three, we will tell you about some of the famous alumni from Jimmy Carter to a guy that will put you Uh, On the floor in laughter, if you get a chance. Oh, yeah, by the way, Bobby Jones, the great golfer, a Georgia Tech alumnus. We'll also tell you in hour number three some of the great traditions of Georgia Tech, including what I just played there, Ramblin' Wreck, the famous fight song. And maybe, if you're lucky, I know about 85% of the words to Ramblin' Wreck. Maybe we'll just have a little sing-along and cover your ears, kids, because I do have that kind of bad word I say in there. But other than that, great tradition. We'll also talk about the Model A Ford, the rambling wreck there that Georgia Tech fans see when it rolls out of Bobby Bobby Dodd Stadium, the famous whistle on the campus, and one of the most beloved mascots in college sports, Buzz, the cute little yellow jacket. All that is part of our tradition spotlight of Georgia Tech. That's coming up Hour 3. But first, let me tell you about the 2021 edition of Georgia Tech football They start their season in Atlanta against the Northern Illinois Huskies. That's going to be a primetime Saturday night, September 4th matchup there between the Jackets and the Huskies. College football's universe descends on Atlanta that day. Earlier in the day, just around the corner from Bobby Dodd Stadium, Alabama and Miami play at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, or not Superdome, Stadium, and then just... Later that night, if you're a Bama or a Miami Hurricane fan, you can go over and see Georgia Tech and the Huskies play at Bobby Dodd Stadium. Georgia Tech then goes from that game to the first matchup that I'm aware of on the gridiron between Kennesaw State and Georgia Tech. That game set for September 11th. 
Then ACC play begins for Jeff Collins and his team on the road at Death Valley. It's Clemson and Georgia Tech, great rivals. They get together September 18th. The Jackets will be playing the North Carolina Tar Heels at Mercedes-Benz Stadium this year. This will not be a home game, at least not on campus. It'll be just around the corner at the aforementioned Mercedes-Benz Stadium. The Tar Heels, the Tar Heels of Mac Brown are in the top ten of college football. The Heels and the Jackets, September 25th in Atlanta. The Jackets get back to Bobby Dodd Stadium. The Pitt Panthers come in for a game on October 2nd. The Jackets... They pack their bags and head up to Durham. David Cutcliffe's Duke Blue Devils are the opponent on October 9th. Then they're on the road again another week after an open week. They're on the road at Charlottesville to take on their Coastal Division foe in the Virginia Cavaliers October 23rd. They'll be back home with the Battle of the Techs. Virginia Tech comes in to Bobby Dodd Stadium on October 30th. The Jackets will be on the road at Miami Gardens to take on the Miami Hurricanes on November 6th. They've got Boston College in town on November 13th. And then they wrap up the year with two out-of-conference games. They have Notre Dame and South Bend. That was also the scene of, I think, part of the movie Rudy was Georgia Tech playing at South Bend. And you can relive that movie November 20th when Georgia Tech and the Irish get together in northern Indiana. And then the last game of the year will be a game against the Georgia Bulldogs The Dogs back at BDS, Bobby Dodd Stadium. Georgia Tech has not won a game against Georgia at home in the 21st century. I think they've got a a total of two, possibly three wins since 2000 hit us, but all of those were between the hedges. But this year, it's Atlanta where you'll find the Dogs and the Jackets on November 27th. Jeff Collins is a Georgia native. He grew up just around the corner from Georgia Tech as he was born in Conyers. He played linebacker as a young man for the Western Carolina Catamounts. And his job as head coach at Georgia Tech comes after a couple of years as being the head man of the Temple Owls. He was an assistant there. I th- uh, maybe he wasn't. No, he, he may not have been under Matt Rule at Temple. But he'd end up coming to Temple after being at Florida as a defensive coordinator and he was head coach of the Temple Owls for a few years before having a chance to come back to Mama, come back to the state of Georgia, where at one time he was a Georgia Tech assistant coach as he was a graduate assistant back in 1999 and 2001, and that was back during the era that Georgia Tech was under George O'Leary, and Georgia Tech had some great play back at that time period, but not a time period where Georgia Tech was competing for a national championship Collins was named 20th head coach of Georgia Tech in 2018. And his three years, now this would be his third year, his two previous years at Tech, he went 3-9 and in his first year. One of his nine losses was a loss to FCS member the Citadel Bulldogs. Georgia Tech lost to the Citadel in Collins' first year. The next year, 2020, he didn't do much better. He went 3-7. and seven. So right now in Atlanta, he's got a record of 6-16. Six and 16. That's not what Tech fans were counting on when they brought him into Atlanta. He's a fast-talking, sunshine and rainbows kind of guy and always talking about vision and they're going to do this and they're going to do that. But right now they better start winning. 
or Jeff Collins might not be hanging around Atlanta too much longer with his $3 million a year salary. It's a lot of work to do. Speaking of Jeff Collins, well, you'll get a chance to hear for yourself some of his great hype as he's pretty good at marketing and hype. And he was talking about his football team and putting a positive spin on his Yellow Jacket football team. And this was him just after practice this week talking about his 2021 edition of Georgia Tech football. Here is head coach Jeff Collins. I just think we're much improved. There's, there's a lot of length, a lot of speed. Then on the back end, they understand our defense and our scheme inside and out. So they know if I'm running this pressure, how to complementary disguise to get the pressure home. So you see that maturity as well. Um, understanding protection, we do a lot of things um, so that both sides of the ball benefit with really understanding the protections, really understand the looks, how they're showing it, and then doing all those kind of things. But I think the, the development across the defensive front, uh, Coach Knight and Coach Coleman have done a tremendous job with that group. Um, and then the development, the length and the speed and all those things um, that we've talked about for two and a half years, you see it out on the field right now. And, uh, you know, we just got to continue to build on it, get as many guys above the line so we can just roll and they can just play with a relentless attitude at all times. We're really close, really close. Um, and I think just – and then from the development standpoint too, the guys that have continued to develop in this program, like a Jordan Dominic, Jordan, you can just see him, Jaquez Jackson, Charlie Thomas, guys that have played a lot of ball for us, they look different. And they – prepared they prepare the right way there's a focus and a maturity um that comes with and it brings some confidence to themselves and to their teammates uh that's really good to see and we just got to continue to build on it over the next three weeks and then continue it through the season we've played in this scheme we've played elite defense every single year um, flying around, ha- creating chaos and mayhem and creating turnovers. You know, we led the country three years ago in defensive touchdowns. We were one of the top teams in the country in takeaways um, and forced fumbles and all of those kind of things. Um, but I think it's a more, uh, finally, a more cohesive uh, unit playing as one instead of segmented at times. You know, uh, first year with the transition, second year through COVID, um, it's just been really good to be back in unit meetings, to be back in team meetings, you know, where we set the foundation, we set the mindset, we build the relationships, um, playing as one, all of those things. Um, and it's been really powerful. And you can see them with that mentality when they go out there and play. And, uh, you know, just excited to see them continue to build on that. Georgia Tech head football coach Jeff Collins just after practice as he gets his team ready for the 20. 20- 21 season real quick some info on georgia tech yellow jackets football through the years the first season on the flats 1892 georgia tech a member of the sec from 1933 to 1963 then they were independent for a number of decades before joining the atlantic coast conference starting in the 1983 season This was a program that was one of the South's top college football programs. They went to the Rose Bowl back in the early part of the 20th century. They have claimed in their history four national championships in college football. 1917, 1928, 1952, and 
Bobby Ross led them to a co-national championship 1990. Remember, it's Georgia Tech that has the largest victory in the history of college football. They defeated Cumberland out of Lebanon, Tennessee. They won that game back in 1962. 222 to nothing over Cumberland College. Y'all remember that one? And for many, many, many years in the early part of the 20th century, Georgia Tech really benefited from being the only college in Atlanta, this thriving, gigantic city in the South. And so colleges wanted to come play Georgia Tech. They wanted to be at Georgia Tech, and they benefited from that. And if you know anything about Georgia Tech history, they had a lot going for them until two bad things happened in the 1960s. They left the SEC in a discussion and debate with Alabama primarily, And then the other thing was professional sports arrived with the Atlanta Braves, the Hawks, and then the Atlanta Falcons came into Atlanta. There there were a lot more options for people in Atlanta to go do, and that hurt Georgia Tech. But throughout it all, Georgia Tech has had a proud history. They've been successful, not just in football. They've had so many great golfers with the quintessential golfer, Bobby Jones, being a Georgia Tech man. And so many great basketball players that have come. I mean, John Sally, for goodness sake, a Georgia Tech alum. Mark Price, so many great ones through the years. And then the quality alumni, the academic reputation of the school, it is truly one of the South's greatest colleges. And here today, we're proud to tell you about Georgia Tech Yellow Jacket history and more. And Bobby Ross, as we said, led them to their last national championship back in 1990 and go to a game if you ever get a chance i got my first chance to go to a georgia tech game just a few years ago and it's a beautiful scene right there with the skyline of atlanta and just some of the great scenes i mean you can go across the interstate and have a meal at the varsity a great atlanta landmark georgia tech football with its 15 conference titles in its history and its longtime rivalries not with just georgia but they play Clemson every year. They used to have a great rivalry with Auburn, which is not very far from the Atlanta campus. They have also used to play Tennessee almost every year, some great Tennessee-Georgia Tech games played throughout history. So that's just a little sample of Georgia Tech football history and more. They've had people like John Heisman as part of this program, Bobby Dodd, who actually was a Tennessee Vol. That's where he played his college ball and then came on down to Atlanta and did such a wonderful job with Georgia Tech. And then George O'Leary, he did such a good job back in the 1990s and then left to go to Notre Dame, but we know how that worked out. Chan Gailey even had some success as the head coach of Georgia Tech back in the early 2000s. Never got past Georgia. That's why he ended up leaving or being asked to leave. Paul Johnson, my goodness, all the years that Paul Johnson had that option offense. And what a fun time that was for Georgia Tech fans and the big upsets. Remember, Georgia Tech absolutely throttled Mississippi State in the Orange Bowl about five years ago. That was a big, big, big victory for them. And then in the end, Paul Johnson leaves. Jeff Collins, who's been on duty now since 2019, hopes to get Georgia Tech back to the promised land. And he's got the opportunity to do that starting here this year after a couple of dismal seasons 
2021 is his year to show Georgia Tech why he was hired. We'll have more on Georgia Tech going on throughout the day, hour three, more of the traditions and famous alumni of this special school on North Avenue. North Avenue Trade School is what it was originally called. That's coming up. Up next, a quick political report on this, the show all about the South. This is the Y'all Show. To hell with Georgia. We're back on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. A quick look at some political reports and what's going on political-wise across the country here today as we wrap up this first hour of our conversation about the Southeast. And a reminder again, coming up hour three more on Georgia Tech with some of the traditions and famous alumni. You don't want to miss out on the fun of that. So from the political headlines today, there is a report out at politico.com with the headline, they were sitting on their hands. Insiders say Biden's team wasted precious time on evacuating Afghans, according to a State Department official in this Politico report. If you want excuses, there are plenty to choose from, but there'll be a little comfort to the dead. Strong words, again, coming out of the Biden administration today with this Afghan disaster, it looks like, after a 20-year war, the United States right now on the bad end of this thing and the whole world, frankly, with the Taliban taking back over Afghanistan. Now, more political news. These are both not in the South, but it would necessarily chart a course perhaps for the future. You have the real possibility, again, back to Politico, a story up there, the real possibility within the next couple of days of two of our country's largest states having a change of their governors, their executive leadership. We know one's going to happen, and that's in New York as Governor Cuomo stepping aside. That's a regime change within the Empire State. But then you also have California and the real possibility that Gavin Newsom is going to be kicked out of office there. And so a lot of insiders, especially on the Democratic side of things, concerned about what this means here in 2021 with this reality that our two of our, what I think both are in the top five of size in terms of population in the country. And this could be a really bad sign for national Democrats as they face already challenging midterm elections and what's going on in Afghanistan, what's going on with coronavirus are not good things from a national Democratic perspective. We've got a Mike Pence update. Mike Pence, the former vice president, has convened Republican donors and luminaries at a Jackson Hole, Wyoming retreat as he's ramping up his donor outreach, trying to decide whether he himself wants to run for president in 2024. Mike Pence holding a donor retreat late last week, benefiting his newly formed nonprofit group of Advancing American Freedom. The event, again, in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, the first such gathering that Mike Pence has hosted since leaving the White House back in January. 
I'm a little surprised. I really thought Mike Pence, and he hasn't announced that he's running for president, but I'm a, a little surprised that he's even being all that visible. And it has nothing to do with January 6th. It has nothing to do with Republicans who are Trump fans turning on him. It has nothing to do with him being aligned with Trump from the other side. I just figured the guy's kind of a boring guy and is enjoying his not being in office for a few months. That, that's just me assuming, but evidently I'm wrong on this one. So that's a quick look at some political stories from a national perspective. Not much else going on across the South right now other than most states political-wise are too – they're just too swarmed over with all the COVID-19 outbreaks. And right now that's a major, major concern for all of our southern states' political leaders no matter what side of the aisle they sit on. Y'all talk with a Southern accent wrapping up this first hour. When we come back, we've got another hour of conversation about Dixie. We invite you to stick around. We also have entertainment headlines from both Nashville and Hollywood coming your way. Plus, from CNBC, how much money a single person needs to earn to get by in every American state. I'll have that important information, and it is coming up right after this, so don't miss out on the fun. back on talk with a southern accent i'm john rawl and we're here at the dixie cafe and if you want to get involved with this show that's all about the south the way to do that is 803-816-1170 real simple 803-816-1170 got a very active hour that we're going to have here hour two of our tuesday edition we will tell you about some of the entertainment news and notes. We'll also let you know how much money a single person needs to earn to get by in each one of our southern states. That is a new article up at CNBC. We will tell you that. Plus, we'll also have some grill safety tips before the hour is up. But I've been entertained right here at the Dixie Cafe today, and I have got to tell you why I've been entertained. It's not just sitting here talking to all y'all. It is because here on the Y'all Show with John Rawl, I got to see a birthday party right in front of me, and I don't often have a chance to see birthday parties here at the Dixie Cafe, and this is a very, very special birthday. Today is Walter Reeves' 98th birthday, and his lovely daughter is treating him to a very special 98th birthday. And Perlene Reeves is here to tell us about her dad. He's over there still munching on a few more things. So I wanted you to have a chance. You're his spokesperson today, Perlene. Thank you for coming on to Y'all Show, and happy Walter Reeves Day to you. (laughs) Thank you very much. I am very proud of my father. Um, He has. I have eight other siblings, and my mother uh, passed away in March of 2019. She was 97. She did not make it to see her 98th birthday, but I'm so proud of my father today because Walter Reeves, Mm -hmm. because he is 98. He is the head of the Reeves family. Um, It's nine of us. R E A V R E A V as in Victor E S. Okay. And he, uh, we're so proud of him um, because he's still alive. He's well. He's not on a lot of medication, 
And as you can see, I, I'm looking at him. He is. He looks very good. Our setup here not quite good enough. It's our fault for him to be able to come up here. So, again, his daughter Perlene bringing this resident of Ashland, Mississippi. Mississippi, yes. That is Benton County. That's Benton County. That is just to the north of Holly Springs. That's where most people go in Ashland, by the way, yes. to go buy things and to go <laughs> down to right. Holly Springs. But it's also in North Mississippi on the Tennessee state line is where you'll find Ashland. And you live in Collierville, Tennessee. Collierville, Tennessee. You're a big city girl compared to Ashland, aren't That's you? That's right. <laughs> and my dad actually lives with me now. Oh, does he? Okay. For almost four years. All right. But he's still a Mississippi guy, huh? Yes, he is. Absolutely. You know, most Mississippians, and I'm not a native of Mississippi, but they have, I'll tell you as a non-native that lived in Mississippi for many, many years, most Mississippians that I have found, and I bet your dad's one of them, have a lot of talent. Oh, absolutely. Whether it's singing or Maybe he looks like he could be an actor. He I'm, used to. He used to when he was active. He had his own business. Did he? So Reeves Plumbing. Oh, really? So he he could fix. He he's a Mister Fix It. He could fix everything, um, and everyone relied on him in Benton County to for their plumbing mm-hmm. and wiring. And he also contracted several houses throughout Did Mississippi. He? All right. Yes. Again, we're celebrating Walter Reeves today. His ninety eighth birthday which means he would have been born in 1923? 1923. All right. So he would have been 18 years old when World War II started. Oh, my goodness. Was, yes. was he in the war? <laughs> no. He was not? No, okay. he was not. Okay. Well, a lot of his fellow people around his age, of course, went off. A lot did, did not return. But he ended up having, you said, eight children? Nine. It's, nine. it's total nine of okay. us. I'm number eight out of nine. All right. And what's neat about today, you're getting a chance to hang out with your dad. Your dad, for his 98th birthday, had a special request. What was that? His his special request was that he's so happy to be alive, but he wanted to travel here to Jackson, Tennessee, to Casey Jones. I mean, he's traveled to Jackson, Tennessee many, many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for his 98th birthday, that's what he asked for. I actually asked him, what would you like to do? And he said, I would like to go to Jackson, Tennessee. All so right. I think he's very happy today, and I think he, he enjoyed his day. All right. Does, do, you, do you know of a special reason in the past that Jackson had to make him want to come back here? Does he I, like trains? He, he just, I think it's something about the atmosphere and, and probably because he traveled here many times and okay. had people here that he knew. Uh, and he may have even done some work here, Okay, actually. Well, again, born in 1923, he's seen a town like jackson go through a lot of changes through the years oh absolutely and at one time this town was big in trains right i don't don't know if a train goes through ashland or not but i wondered if you know maybe lamar if you're familiar with lamar mississippi i'm even familiar with michigan city are you really (laughs) awesome (laughs) are you yes definitely there's a train i'm even familiar not only with the place but the people of a place called grand junction yes (laughs) you better watch out for them people that's right, and there's a train track that crosses Highway 72. If yeah. you know where Highway yeah. oh, 72 yeah. so is, I, right I, before I go, you get to I Highway go, 7. I'm, I'm up and down in uh, t- Mississippi. It's Highway 7. Highway 7 and 72 right there yes. is uh, Lamar slash Michigan City. Absolutely. And I, I'm through there a lot. So That's I'm great. quite familiar with that area, and I've been to Ashland before. And awesome. I, and, and Benton County is a very, very small county. It is very small. In fact, they just, to tell you how small they are, okay, they have a celebrity connection, sort of. They have a guy who was was, and maybe still is the head football coach 
down there named Eric Rice. And Eric okay. is Jerry Rice's nephew. Do you know who Jerry Rice is? I'm not sure I know that name, but you know, well known in Ashland, Mississippi, are the Fereses. Do you yes, know those? Steve Fereses. Uh, Steve Fereses. Well, Eric Rice, his daddy, Jerry, is one of the greatest NFL players ever. And he's from Mississippi originally. Okay. But he's the guy that was a receiver for the San Francisco 49ers. And just, he probably is the best receiver in history. In Interesting. NFL. But yes. his nephew, who played at Ole Miss, started up the football program for Benton county high school of which there really isn't a benton county high school there's two high schools in the entire county and neither one of them had football right so they had to kind of lie cheat steal i don't know what they did but <laughs> kind of formed a, a fake school to be able to have a football program so my whole point is that's how small this county is they didn't even have a actual Very organized small. football team right. of any kind until they cheated and brought in two different schools to form this fake school and Eric, who I got to know during his time in Oxford, and I think he still lives there. I saw him selling crawfish a couple of years ago as a side job from coaching. But anyway, back to Walter Reeves again. Your dad celebrating his 98th birthday, and I just happened to see the staff here at the Dixie Cafe brought out. What did they bring out? It looked they good. They brought out. It, it looked to be like um, cake, but okay. it was actually ice cream. Ooh. They yeah, their own it was vanilla parlor. ice cream. Yeah. Uh, and it had all the little sparkly things on mm-hmm. top. And my dad, oh, my God, he <laughs> totally enjoyed it. And it looked like he had a good lunch, too. What what all did y'all have? He did. He had um, chicken and dressing. Um, he had something called sakash. Do you know what it is? No, I don't. It's like back in the day they call it butter beans, but I call it lima beans with corn. Oh. And then we put a little bit of green beans in it. Okay. And um, and that that was like I mean that was really special to him. He enjoyed that so much. Now he grew up. See, I did not grow up in uh, what's called the mid south. I'm a guy from way over there in a place called Carolina, and I'm not familiar with hot water cornbread. Oh, and they have that here. At the and Dixie they have Cafe. hot water cornbread. He didn't have that one, but he had a cornbread muffin. Oh, did he? Yeah, okay. and he had meatloaf, which was really ooh. He really enjoyed. That. Oh, they the best meatloaf I've ever had. I think southern meatloaf. Yes, <laughs> and we're a show all about the South. <laughs> and Perlene, I can't thank you enough for coming by. Uh, just real quick, tell me what people might enjoy hearing you. What's your story? You live in Collierville, or are you? I, I live in Collierville. Worked FedEx for thirty six years in the IT department. Did you? Or yes. you do? You still work. Uh, I actually, well, I won't Go say ahead. it right now. <laughs> You're running the place. Is that what you want to say? Yeah. You, you usurped Fred Absolutely. Smith. Absolutely. Well, that's a long time. 36 years 36 in the IT. 36 years, for, so, yes. So, uh, I mean, 36, that's a lot. Just forget FedEx, but just what computers have done in 36 years. Absolutely. you got a heck of a story. I, I do. I do have a story. Well, we got plenty um, of time. No, congratulations. Uh, what year did you start at FedEx? I started at FedEx in 1984. Golly. Did your dad help you? Did, April 1984. Did, what? Did, did your dad know somebody? Say, hey, you know my daughter. No, he didn't. He, he, did. he didn't I thought know he might have worked up there I, one I can time. tell you a story, though. Yeah, I wanted ahead. to work for FedEx really bad. Did you? So I got my resume together, and I was looking to give it to someone at FedEx, and I made a mistake, and I dropped it in a Dropbox. A FedEx Dropbox by mistake. Where? Um, over on Lamar Avenue in Memphis. In Memphis. Okay. And um, I didn't know if you dropped it off and, in Ashland or somewhere. <laughs> and one of the one of the FedEx couriers picked it up, and instead of probably returning it or something, he gave it to someone, and that's how I ended up getting you know getting an interview with FedEx. 
And once I got the interview, I sold myself. <laughs> and then here I am. <laughs> After all that. <laughs> After all that. Perlene with some divine inspiration here that's on today's right. Y'all Show. I mean, sometimes that's what it takes, luck. luck. And then I have to give glory to God because yeah. it, it must have been meant to be. Yeah. Right? But what a what a tremendous thing. Great. I'm glad I asked you. <laughs> I'm glad I asked you. And uh, FedEx, again, one of our great employers in the South, and what a great success story they are. And I'm glad. And a great company to work for. Yeah. Absolutely. I never worked for them, but uh, <laughs> but I like what they do. It's, oh, it's yeah, quite a definitely. story from a, a guy just like your dad, a guy with Mississippi roots, Fred Smith, yes. who is from uh, Quitman, Quitman County. He is from, um, oh, what is the town west of Holly Springs? West of Holly Springs. Yeah. Are Not you? Holly Springs, Batesville. I'm sorry. Batesville. Let me think. I'm having. I'm having a small junior moment, Baseball, something I'm sure Walter Reeves would have no clue about what <laughs> a junior or senior moment would be. He is from, did I say Quitman? Marks. Quitman Marks, county. Miss, yeah. You know, two famous people from Marks, Miss, or that county. Fred Smith and Charlie Pride. Okay. Both from that county. Fred Smith, luckily, still with us. And luckily, Walter Reeves still with us. What was your mom's name? My mom was Erlene Reeves. Erlene. Erlene. Was she also from Benton County originally? She, she was from Benton County as well. All right. Sounds like they had a great life And she together. was 97. They yeah. were married 78 years. Wow. What a what a story. All those children and the memories and, and just a great success with the family. It looks like hopefully y'all are as uh, polished and savvy as you, Perlene, and, and I'm sure they are. And, <laughs> Thank you very and, and, much. And I appreciate you doing what you're doing today. Thank you. You know, giving your dad a special day. and uh, It means a lot. And we just are glad that you are doing it so that we saw it here at the Dixie Cafe. Perlene Reeves, the daughter of Walter Reeves, again, today is his 98th birthday. And here at the Y'all Show, we just happened to stumble upon a birthday party. You know, usually those are held at places like Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> but I think this is more appropriate here. The Ashland, Mississippi is native Walter Reeves having a big day. Thank you again for stopping by. And thank you for having us. All right. Thank you very much, everybody. Perlene, again, dropping by the Y'all Show today. All right. Looking more at some of our entertainment news across the southeast before we take a little time out. And part of that entertainment news comes from both Hollywood and it comes from Nashville, Tennessee. And some of that story, the action you can find at y'all.com. We want you to go there and learn all you can about what's going on entertainment-wise. I don't know if they've got on E! Entertainment today info on Walter Reeves' 98th birthday, but they ought to. Johnny Depp, this is a Hollywood story, says that Hollywood is boycotting him, the Kentucky native, in his first published interview since losing a libel suit against the publisher of Britain's The Sun newspaper. Johnny Depp talked to The Sunday Times about his new movie, Manamata, I guess that's how that is pronounced. Johnny Depp said that his work with Life magazine documented the poisoning of Japanese villagers in the early 1970s. And now, again, Johnny Depp coming out saying Hollywood is boycotting him. The Kentucky native, who I think also lived a large part of his life in Florida. Morgan Freeman filming in his state capital of Jackson, Mississippi. There's a new film being filmed on Farish Street in downtown Jackson. That's not far from the Jackson State University campus. Maybe Neon Dion Sanders will be playing a role here. 
in this movie. This upcoming film that Morgan Freeman will stars in, people say they're excited to know that the production team picked Jackson, Mississippi as a place to film, and it helps bring a better light on the city. Other scenes of this new unnamed film being filmed are filmed at Johnny T's Bistro and Blues. But again, a brand new movie, another movie hitting downtown Jackson, Mississippi. Not the one Walter Reeves is hanging out in today, the one in Tennessee. And Morgan Freeman taking a little leave of absence from his Tallahatchie County, Mississippi farm to go on down to Jackson and play the role of actor for a bit. We lost a singer-songwriter from the South on Friday of last week. Nancy Griffith died at age 68. The Texas-born singer who got a lot of fame for her songwriting prowess. She wrote Kathy Matea's Love at the Five and Dime and Susie Boggess' Outbound Plane. The 1994 Grammy Award winner for Best Contemporary Folk Album. She was a singer-songwriter. Died at 68. She survived thyroid and breast cancer and diagnosed with that in the late 1990s. But unfortunately, she passed away in Nashville over the past couple of days. Carrie Underwood has earned two GMA nominees. Congratulations to Carrie Underwood. Earlier this year, she released the album My Savior, her first collection of gospel songs, and now she's being nominated. She's been nominated for GMA Dove Awards. My Savior earned a nomination for Best Country Roots Bluegrass Album of the Year, and her duet with gospel legend CeCe Winans nominated for Inspirational Recorded Song of the Year. The song was Great Is Thy Faithfulness. Carrie Underwood branching out into the gospel world. Congratulations to the Judds, Ray Charles, and others as they've been inducted into the new class of the Country Music Hall of Fame. Reba McIntyre presided over the announcement. And let me tell you who all got inducted. Again, Winona and Naomi inducted as well as drummer Eddie Bears, Ray Charles, the Georgia kid, inducted. He had some great country music songs back in the 1980s. Steel guitarist Pete Drake and the Judds, the newest members of the Country Music Hall of Fame in Nashville, Tennessee. Right there in Nashville, a great landmark besides the Hall of Fame is the Grand Ole Opry. This weekend, or coming up soon, I should say, the Opry is getting ready to celebrate its 5,000th broadcast. That's going to take place actually in October. October 30th, Halloween weekend, will be the 5,000th Saturday night broadcast of the Grand Ole Opry. And that special evening of music will have performances from Whispering Bill Anderson, Vince Gill, Jeannie Seeley, Connie Smith, the Gatlin Brothers, and Chris Young. Mark your calendar, October 30th, the 5,000th broadcast of the Grand Ole Opry. The Mother Church of Country Music Broadcasting on the Air Castle of the South, 650 WSM. We just told you about Chris Young. How about this Murfreesboro, Tennessee native? He has surprised two aspiring musicians with a big, big tip. As his number ones include great songs, including the latest from his famous friend's work. And Chris Young, surprised thanks to a TikTok influencer, Lexi Lately. She... Filmed all this, and I saw the video. I can't play it because I didn't have a chance to screen it, but I saw some of the film of it. And she, she and Chris Young teamed up outside of a place in Nashville where two unsuspecting musicians were performing. And Chris Young 
put $1,000 in the performer's tip jar. Not a bad deal. $2,000 in total given to these great performers who've kept the music going in Nashville. And Chris Young was able to help out. Now, my own personal story, I was with my old business partner and a, another business partner about two years ago there on Lower Broadway. And it wasn't $1,000, but we were there at Tootsie's Famous Orchid Lounge, and they were playing all this music that wasn't country. And my friend, who probably had a couple of extra drinks in him, he went up to the band and said, look, here's $100. I don't want to hear anything but country music for the next 30 minutes. And then they gladly played all kinds of good country music. So sometimes even in Nashville, the country music capital of the world, you got you got a tip, and you got a tip good. In this case, I don't know if Chris Young had to tell him to play country. He should have at least told him, hey, I'm giving you $1,000. Do you mind playing a little Chris Young music for a while? I kind of... I kind of want to enjoy for a minute hearing myself, courtesy of a Nashville performer. That is a quick look at some of the entertainment news and notes here on this Tuesday edition of the Y'all Show. want to thank again Perlene Reeves and her daddy Walter Reeves for helping getting this segment going. We've got more of the Y'all Show right after this. Stay tuned. We have an article thanks to CNBC, how much money a single person needs to earn to get by in each one of our great southern states. I'll share that data with you right after this. This is Y'all with John Raw. We'll be right back. All right, we're back on Talk with a Southern Accent. Hope y'all's Tuesday is going well, and we're here at the Dixie Cafe having a great time and uh, just a touching thing when people are some of our greatest generation, in this case of Mr. Reeves, who we just heard all about earlier in the show, the greatest generation and then some. And it's a pleasure, all of you out there who are Let's just say a little bit up in your years that if you're listening to us, we wish you all the best in your golden years. But if you're a, one of these younger Southerners, like maybe I fancy myself as, take time to talk to these great Southerners. They, everybody's got a story. But, boy, this, this generation that, in the case of some of our people, nearly 100 years ago perhaps were born, what a wonderful part of the world that we live in when we have great people like the Walter Reeves of the world to talk about. All right, let me 
get off my southern high horse for just a second here as hour number two is quickly advancing. I better quickly tell you while we have a moment some of the stories coming out of the world of business and more. And CNBC has an article up. How much money a single person needs to earn to get by in every U.S. state? This is counting in MIT's living wage calculator, which estimates the minimum income necessary for a single person to cover their living expenses and stay above the poverty line without outside help, according to, again, the MIT's living wage calculator. Alabama, the total required income before taxes. If you live in Alabama, if you're a single person, what do you need to just get by? 28,652 is the amount there. Arkansas, your amount to get by 27,652. In the state of Florida, 30,825 is what you need to get by before taxes. Georgia, even higher than Florida. Georgia, $31,940, the total required income before taxes if you are a single person needing to get by. In Kentucky, that amount is $28,048. Louisiana, $29,251. In Maryland, as expected, it's pretty high to live in Maryland, $35,879 is the amount required before income taxes to just scoot and skate by. In Mississippi, $27,936, the total required income before taxes if you want it to survive. In Missouri, the show me state to get by there, $28,535. North Carolina, the amount to just scoot by, $30,617. Oklahoma, it's $28,133. South Carolina, $30,328. Tennessee, $27,563. That might be the lowest one yet. $27,563 is lower than Mississippi. And that's probably because Tennessee doesn't have a state income tax, come to think of it. Texas, 29134 is what you need to get by. Virginia, 34552 And the last state in the south, West Virginia, 27837 Again, this is according to MIT. How much money a single person needs to earn to get by in every U.S. state? Maryland was, I think, our highest in the south. And Tennessee was the lowest amount needed to just survive, 27563 So if you've got somebody in the volunteer state that says, hey, I really need to get about $28,000 from you to be able to get through this year, you can tell them, well, according to MIT, you only need 27563 So I tell you what, I'm just going to give you 27563 You're going to have to go out and find that extra somewhere else, big guy (laughs) or big gal. (laughs) All right, that's some fun information to pass along here on Talk with a Accent on All Things Southern. When we come back, we will continue the fun here from the Dixie Cafe. We have some grilling talk to get to. Yeah, we're getting our grill on on Talk with a Southern Accent. And we're going to specifically tell you about grilling and keeping yourself safe and your home safe while you might want to go out there and fire up a hamburger or a big old juicy steak. 
That's ahead as we continue on with the Y'all Show. Y'all.com is our website. Our number, on talk with an accent on everything southern if you want to connect to us our website is yall.com it's the south's homepage. in fact if you stick around for a couple of minutes i'm going to give you an update on what all's going on y'all.com this week Woo! can't wait to tell you about that john rawl here this is y'all and we start out this segment talking grilling and safety did you know that a grilling a barbecue or a big old hamburger if it goes not the way you expect it to or want to. It can affect your homeowner's insurance policy. The website clearsurance.com has an article up, and you might might want to read this one before you kind of get careless around the grill. There are some stats behind grilling accidents. The National Fire Protection Association, NFPA, tracks house and structure fires, And they released a report here in the last couple of months or years. And according to the NFPA, outdoor cooking apparatus problems caused 800, I'm sorry, 8,900 house fires between a four-year period. And those fires caused an annual average of 10 deaths, lots of injuries, and $118 million in property damage. Some additional information from this NFPA report. The grills used in five out of six of those fires were gas-fueled grills. The leading causes of these grills and these types of grills fires, number one, a failure to clean properly. Number two, having a grill too close to something that could catch fire. And number three, leaving the grill unattended. I bet you that's number, number one reason more than likely, but it's listed as one of the three reasons again of causes of these fires in the grill. A failure to clean properly, having a grill too close, and also leaving the grill unattended. An additional thing to pass along here in terms of grill safety, gas grills also resulted in fires caused by issues such as gas leaks or a break in the gas line. Helpful information Coming from clearassurance.com and their article about grills and grill safety. Just keep an eye out on it. Your homeowner's policy will usually cover damage to your covered structures, such as the house and garage. If you do experience a grill fire, you'll be required to pay up to your deductible. So small fires that cause only minor damage might not warrant submitting a claim. So you might want to check with your homeowner's insurance policy If you have any questions, if you are a renter, check your lease. Many apartments and rental properties prohibit the use of grills or hibachis. A grill fire that damages your apartment won't be covered by your renter's policy if it was used in violation of your lease. Helpful information, again, for all you grillers and all you homeowners alike. 
Grill safety. Barbecues can affect your homeowner's insurance policy. That is the article. It is posted at clearsurance.com if you want some good light reading on this Tuesday. We'll wrap up hour number two after the break. We'll come right back and give you a quick preview of what is up at y'all.com, the South's homepage. That's up next as we continue the show about the South. Have you been thinking about selling your home, or has your home been on the market but still hasn't sold? This is Russ McKelvey. My wife, Sydney, and I completed three real estate transactions with the Haltom Home Team over the past couple of years. Buying a home can be a stressful experience, but the Haltom Home Team's excellent communication made the whole process hassle-free. The staff at the Haltom Home Team knows the local market extremely well. They literally have the buying and selling process down to a science. When we sold our home last year, it didn't even go to market before the Haltom Home Team had a buyer lined up. It literally couldn't have been easier. And don't just believe these guys. Check us out on Zillow, the number one real estate website, where we are ranked number one in sales for Jackson and also have over 200 five-star reviews. They can help you negotiate through multiple offers to get you the most money for your home. And there's no risk. Call the Haltom Home Team at 731-984-2200. That's 731-984-2200. Go to HaltomHomeTeam.com. Oh, and start packing. All right, going to put a wrap on hour number two. And again, y'all is powered by the South's homepage, y'all.com. And if you go there right now, we have a brand new article posted up about the best Southern football traditions. It's the Gamecocks of South Carolina versus the Georgia Bulldogs. You can weigh in on that. That article, again, posted at y'all.com. We also have John Allen and Jimmy Duke's Tricks of the Trade. You can watch the most recent episode where they talk about outhouses and something called fenestration. I didn't learn that one back in grammar school. That's up right now at y'all.com, plus a fantastic article called How the South is Coping with Population Growth from COVID-19. That plus our interview Monday with the Takapola Storyteller. You can watch that entire interview on y'all.com. Got another hour, our final hour of this conversation about the Southland. And that is coming up right after this quick timeout. You're listening to the Y'all Show. Get ready, y'all. We got one more hour of this little conversation about what we call the South. As we have blanketed today Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, Missouri, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and West Virginia. That's our roll call of Southern Conversation, and we got all those states covered right here. On this final hour, we will continue on with headlines across the southeast to kick off hour number three. And then we're back to our tradition spotlight. Today, we're on North Avenue. It's all about the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets on our featured showcase of college football today. 
the Jackets getting ready to open up the 2021 season Labor Day weekend against the Northern Illinois Huskies. And we'll tell you here in hour number three, we've already broken it down in hour one, the schedule, what Jeff Collins has going on at the Institute. Today it's about the rich traditions of Georgia Tech in hour number three. We'll have all that, plus some of the famous alumni of Tech. That's coming your way in the very next segment before the hour is up. Melissa Rhodes will be back here with an accent on Southern arts and entertainment. And all that is right here on the program powered by y'all.com. Our number, if you want to text us, 803-816-1170. John Rawl, your gracious host, thanking you for being a part of y'all. Now, looking back at what's going on in our news headlines today, this is not exactly a news headline, but just in case you have it tuned into the sports headlines today, I'll take a page out of the sports page and share it with you here in our news headlines to start our number three. Tim Tebow, released by the Jacksonville Jaguars and the former Heisman Trophy winner and the former NFL quarterback for teams like the Jets and the Denver Broncos. It looks like his NFL career is now officially over with after the Jags and his old college coach, Urban Meyer, telling Tim to hit the road, Tim, and don't come back. And they did it in a classy way. Tim, in fact, put out a very Tim Tebow-esque statement about his release from the NFL franchise in his hometown, by the way. So wish him all the best. Really a class, class act, Tim Tebow. The tropical storm, now tropical depression, Fred, came ashore on the Florida panhandle. On Monday, and now today, it's working its way through East Tennessee, Western North Carolina, into Virginia, West Virginia. It's caused damage. To my knowledge, I haven't seen any reports of deaths at this point. That's a blessing. But it has caused a lot of damage where it came ashore around Panama City, but even into southwest Georgia, Americus, Georgia, major damage to several homes there, and lots of flooding issues in the Appalachian areas of the Carolinas and North Georgia as this tropical depression has been a news story here this week. Also in our news stories as we scan the southeast today, booster shots. According to government officials, a projection that the country will have to authorize booster shots for COVID-19. U.S. health authorities expected to recommend an extra dose of the vaccine for all Americans eight months after they got their second shot. This info coming in from two people who spoke to the Associated Press on condition of anonymity to discuss internal deliberations. What this means is the biggest vaccination drive in American history is about to get even more extensive. That is the case as the third booster shot. For many, unless you had the Johnson & Johnson, which was, I think, the one-shot one, maybe they're saying you need to get the booster shot for that one, too. Just continued heartache, heartbreak, and deaths, and just just agony with COVID-19 in this country. In Nashville, over 1,000 students are now in quarantine after the first week of school because of COVID-related issues. The volunteer state has seen coronavirus hospitalizations surge due to the COVID-19 variant. According to the Student Health Service Department, during the week of August 9th through the 15th, 207 confirmed 
positive coronaviruses, 52 confirmed staff cases from Nashville's first week of schools. And so 1,000 students in just metro Nashville, Davidson County, Tennessee, are under COVID-19-related quarantines or isolation after the city's first week of, of going back to class. According to the Nashville paper, the Tennessee, and the first day for most of Metro Public Nashville's Metro Nashville's public schools, 80,000 students is the total amount across 159 schools, and now 1,000 of the 80,000 in quarantine. So probably, what is that, almost 2% of the entire population. So that's just one city, one of our big cities going on in the state, and there's been a lot of mask talk as the governor, Bill Lee, has not implemented a statewide mask mandate for schools in Tennessee and said that if officials were to enforce a mask requirement, it would, quote, would be against the law and we would see what would happen there. So Tennessee and the COVID-19 in the news. Here's another Tennessee COVID-19 story. A probe in the volunteer state finds that Dr. Michelle Fiscus, she was the vaccine official who helped set the policy in the volunteer state several weeks back and beyond. She got fired. And a new probe finds that Dr. Michelle Fiscus mailed herself a muzzle despite claims Republicans tried to silence her. According to an investigation, Dr. Fiscus paid for this muzzle with her own credit card. And she had it mailed to her office. And you might remember the story from several months back now. And now reports and an investigation shows that she bought that mask or muzzle. It wasn't a mask. It was a muzzle kind of mask. It's kind of like a muzzle. But according to this research, she paid for it with her own American Express credit card. This investigative report from the Tennessee Department of Safety and Homeland Security in a memo obtained by Axios, Special Agent Mario Vigil noted that there is no evidence to indicate that the dog muzzle was intended to threaten Dr. Fiscus. Now, she has denied a tweet that she, she's denied in a tweet sent Monday that she sent herself the muzzle. That muzzle arrived in an Amazon package. And she used that muzzle to help, I guess, try to scare people who were – it looked like she was trying to show that people were telling her to shut up before she ended up leaving the State Health Department of Tennessee. That's one story about this doctor. She's been in the news this week from Northern Virginia, too, as Dr. Fiscus has been hired in that state. The ex-state of Tennessee vaccination director has been hired, or maybe they don't know the story about about this uh, going on with his wife. That they, she's been hired in the state of Virginia as a vaccination director of some kind there. Developing story. I'm not sure where this will take us on the vaccination front, on the fiscus side of things. This week in Maryland, in the state capital of Annapolis, they gathered to honor 
author Alex Haley, as he would have turned 100 years old this week, the author of Roots, the Saga of an American Family. Alex Haley, who also spent a large portion of his time in Lauderdale County, Tennessee, that's West Tennessee, around Ripley, Tennessee. I think his, oh, Henniger. Is, that, is it Henniger, where he was partially raised as a kid? That's near Ripley, Tennessee. I, I think I'm right on that. Ripley could have been Halls. I'm having to pull up my Henning. Is it Henning? Somewhere there in Lauderdale County, Tennessee, which is not a very big place, by the way. <laughs> Alex Haley grew up, and a large part of his ancestry comes from that portion of the volunteer state. But Alex Haley's true home, Alec, uh, Annapolis in Maryland, and this week Haley's family received keys to the city of Annapolis and a gathering. And so much more about this man who used genealogical research, one of the first black Americans that I'm aware of to take that genealogical research and turn it into a book. And he did that back in the 1970s. And he wrote about his descendant, or he was a descendant of Kunta Kinte, a man kidnapped in Africa, enslaved and sold at a city dock in Annapolis, Maryland. Alex Haley died back in 1992. He would have turned 100 years old on August 11th. And again, this past August 11th, Alex Haley Day in the state capital of Maryland, as declared by Mayor Gavin Buckley. Parrot heads, bad news for you. Bad, bad, bad news if you've got plans to go see Jimmy Buffett in a couple of places across the southeast. As a couple of his upcoming shows in the summer of 2022 have been pushed back, Buffett and his Coral Reefer Band were to bring their Life on the Flipside tour to the Tuscaloosa Amphitheater, actually this year, September 16th. And then they were going to go to the Wharf Amphitheater in Orange Beach, September 19th. Those shows, which got announced back July 15th, have now been rescheduled to next year, June 2nd at the Wharf in Orange Beach, Alabama, June 7th in Tuscaloosa. And according to the venues who... These concerts were scheduled to be held at. All previously purchased tickets will be honored for the new dates. More information will be emailed to ticket holders directly. A concert update at JimmyBuffett.com said that three shows were affected by these changes. The other one was Rogers, Arkansas, which will take place June 9th of 2022. The notice from JimmyBuffett.com said, We appreciate your understanding, but gave no reason for the change. So, as a courtesy here on Talk with a Southern Accent, all you Buffett fans, all you Parrot Heads out there, Jimmy Buffett's next scheduled concert, September 5th in Aspen, Colorado. He's not going to be playing anywhere in the South until... Hmm. I'm having a hard time figuring this thing out. Because a lot of his events rescheduled, according to his website... It looks like the next scheduled Buffett performance, the Amway Center in Orlando on December 11th. And it's a little confusing because he's rescheduling past things that got pushed back, and he's also postponing current things and pushing them back even further. So (laughs) forgive me if if I'm not totally – I guess I better just tell you what's on here from a Southern perspective just in case it is – if I'm reading this correctly, 
Okay. Uh, he was supposed to play at the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival October 17th. It says here postponed to spring 2022. I think that's not going to happen October 17th in the Big Easy. And then you got in Tampa at Amali Arena on December 4th, a Jimmy Buffett concert scheduled. Then to the Vistar Veterans Memorial Arena in Jacksonville on December 7th. Then to Orlando, December 11th. Raleigh, North Carolina, scheduled there. April. I mean, he's taking one heck of a break. From December to April 23rd at Coastal Credit Union Music Park in Raleigh, Jimmy Buffett. That was rescheduled from 2020. So all you Raleigh Research Triangle, Research Triangle fans of Jimmy Buffett, you've been waiting two years to see concerts there. And he's scheduled to come to Raleigh in North Carolina April 23rd. Then to Charlotte, the Queen City, April 30th. Orange Beach, as we mentioned, June 2nd. Tuscaloosa, June 7th. And his last booking right now at JimmyBuffett.com is Walmart Amphitheater, Rogers, Arkansas, on June 9th. Hey, y'all, get in the car. We're going to go see a concert at the Walmart Amphitheater. Makes me kind of excited. And lastly, if you don't want to go see Jimmy Buffett, how about this? Traveling across several of our southern states right now, a giant steam locomotive. And it's going to be in New Orleans this weekend as part of a 10-state tour. Big Boy number 4014 on display Saturday in New Orleans. It will arrive Friday night and leave Sunday morning as it travels, makes its way back to Cheyenne, Wyoming. It will also go to Shreveport over the weekend. This big boy, number 4014, this is the biggest steam locomotive Union Pacific ever built, and it's the only one still in operation, according to Union Pacific Railroad spokesman Mike Jackson. This train measures 130 feet long. This is just the engine. 130 feet long. That's longer than two city buses. And it weighs 560 tons. And big boy locomotives are generally accepted as the largest steam locomotives ever built anywhere, according to the Guinness Book of World Records. And this thing, again, passing through several states right now on a Whistle stop tour, and these tours range from 15 to 45 minutes in more than 90 communities across the southeast. The outbound route has already gone from Cheyenne to Nebraska to Kansas, Oklahoma, into Texas. Now from Louisiana, the train turns back into Texas, then runs across Arkansas and Missouri. I think this link here will take me to the actual map. So it looks like if it's in New Orleans this weekend... It will be traveling from the Big Easy to Shreveport. It's going to go into Texas just a little bit. going to go to Texarkana. Looks like it's going to stop off in Prescott, Arkansas. Then to North Little Rock. Then to Poplar Bluff, Missouri. It's going to be in the Boot Hill for just a brief appearance up toward Cape Girardeau. Then it turns north toward St. Louis following the Mississippi River. And then Big Boy number 4014 starts its westward trek across the state of Missouri to Jefferson City, then Kansas City. And then it looks like it will be going on from there to Kansas. Kansas through Denver back to Cheyenne. If you want to see a big, gigantic train, you might want to pay close attention to this route. 
I went to the website up.com, and they've got a link there of the steam route of Union Pacific's number 4014 steam engine. Woo! You know what? We're full of hot steam right here on the Y'all Show. Talk with an accent on all things Southern. Choo-choo! We've got more of this fun show. We're going to be speaking of steams. If you're ever at a Georgia Tech football game, if you're ever on campus, a tradition at the Georgia Institute of Technology is the Tech Tower Whistle, which I think is propelled by steam. Maybe I can even play you a little audio of that when we come back. Today, in hour number three of this, The Y'all Show, we're going to talk about Georgia Tech, the great college located in Atlanta, Georgia. We'll discuss some of the traditions of Georgia Tech and the famous alumni of Tech. That's all ahead. Plus, before the hour is in the books, Melissa Rhodes has a southern accent on southern arts and entertainment. That and more of your calls and text 803-816-1170. We'll be right back with more of the Y'all Show. Y'all Show is on the road and stopping by 44 of the South's great college football towns as we get y'all ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. Tailgates, traditions, fight songs. Can you feel the excitement? Here's Y'all Show host John Rawl to fire y'all up with today's great Southern College Football Showcase. Georgia Tech is our featured school today. This historic college in Atlanta, Georgia, has put out several national championships in its time as a football-playing school. It also has the history of having the largest victory in college football history, a little 222 to nothing win over Cumberland College back in the days before World War I. So many great people, so many great traditions. Here in this hour of the Y'all Show, we will take a time out to tell you all about Georgia Tech and it starts with the Ramblin' Wreck of Georgia Tech. I'm a Ramblin' Wreck from Georgia Tech and a hell of an engineer. A hell of 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 an engineer. And all the jolly good fellows. Uh, this is where I get lost. But enjoy Ramblin' Wreck, y'all. All right, I'll tell you more about the history of the Ramblin' Wreck fight song. I'll even try to recite all the words. I know about 50% of them, and that's not bad for a guy who never went to Georgia Tech one day in his life. But I have been to a game there, and I've seen Georgia Tech play a couple of road games, I guess, in my time. But first today, as we start off talking about Tech, if you want to go back to hour number one, 
we walk through the 2021 schedule for Jeff Collins' ball club. It all starts Labor Day Saturday as they have Northern Illinois coming in for a game on Saturday night at Bobby Dodd Stadium. September 4th, I think, is that day. If you want to go ahead and save that in your iPhone or Galaxy or whatever you're using, 7.30 p.m. kickoff time is the great Georgia Tech radio play-by-play guy would say, when toe meets leather, 7.30 on Saturday, September 4th. Jeff Collins enters his third year at the Georgia Institute of Technology. He got he, he gots to turn it around here because right now his wins have been few and far between in his two years that he's been coaching the white and gold. Georgia Tech, it is officially Georgia Institute of Technology. Georgia Tech started back in 1885 as the Georgia School of Technology, and it was located and still is on North Avenue. And all the people who want to pick on Georgia Tech often call it North Avenue Trade School, or they call them the nerds of North Avenue, something like that. But most Georgia Tech people will fire right back and say, you can laugh at us, but let's compare paychecks just for a moment. To Georgia Tech's credit as a college, it has, it's got an impressive resume, no doubt about it. They've got over a $2 billion endowment. Angel Cabrera is the president of Georgia Tech right now. It is a pretty big size school. They've got over 15,000 undergraduates. What's a little amazing is Georgia Tech has more postgraduate students than undergraduates. Tech has over 20,000 postgraduate students. So all in all, just shy of 37,000 students at this very suburban, or rather urban campus. Now it's beautiful. It's somewhat isolated from all of Atlanta. When you're on campus, it's kind of done its best to be an island within the city of Atlanta, but you're still swarmed by this gigantic city called Atlanta when you're there on campus going to college or attending a game, what have you. Georgia Tech, of course, one of our first schools in the South that focused primarily on technology. The school was founded as part of reconstruction plans to build an industrial economy in the post-Civil War South. Initially, it offered only a degree in mechanical engineering. And that's one thing Georgia Tech today, from an academic standpoint, there's only two ways to go as a tech student. You can go the engineering route, and that could be a number of different types of engineering, or you could take the M train. And the M train is something they created some time ago called management. It's more of a business school. That's all you got. You don't go to Georgia Tech to get a degree in communications. You don't go to Georgia Tech to get a degree in political science. You don't go there to get a degree in law. It's about engineering, and then they have this thing called management, the M-Train, which most of your engineering people kind of look down on people taking the M-Train. But there's a lot of famous tech people that are M-Train alumni, and they're, they're just happy to have gone to tech and survived. That's a little bit of the academic story. Now, who all are famous Georgia Tech alumni? From presidents to major league all-stars to 
perhaps the funniest comedian out there, all called Georgia Tech an alma mater. Jimmy Carter attended Georgia Tech before transferring to the United States Naval Academy. Jimmy Carter, Plains, Georgia, went there to be an engineer and then decided he would be an engineer in the United States Navy. Bobby Jones. Bobby Jones did not play golf as a Georgia Tech golfer. He was so good he'd already become the greatest golfer probably ever when he decided to go to Georgia Tech and mix in golf with a little pre-law. Georgia Tech was his alma mater. Bobby Jones, founder of the Masters and Augusta National Golf Club, he went on to be a lawyer and actually chose law as a profession over golf. Georgia Tech alumnus Bobby Jones and Atlanta native Bobby Jones. A guy that's the funniest guy, I think, that's ever attended Georgia Tech because usually engineers and comedy don't go together. But how about Jeff Foxworthy? You might be a Georgia Tech alum if your name is Jeff Foxworthy. Now, Jeff did not graduate, but he did attend Georgia Tech. And a lot of athletic figures through the years from Chris Bosch, John Sally from the basketball side of things. Baseball, you got Nomar Garcia-Para. You've got Mark Teixeira, retired baseball player, Georgia Tech guy. How about football? Megatron, Calvin Johnson. So many great football players. And then going way back, Georgia Tech's put Lord knows how many great players into sports and more. As an institution, Georgia Tech actually has two Nobel laureates who are alumni. The 39th president of the United States, Jimmy Carter, won the 2002 Nobel Peace Prize. And then Carrie Mullis, Georgia Tech class of 64, won the 1993 Nobel Prize in Chemistry. So that's not a bad record there to have two Nobel winners in your list of alumni. Georgia Tech also has so many famous people from the business world. The chairman and CEO of Coca-Cola Enterprises, John Brock, Georgia Tech class of 1971. And the Georgia, uh, the Georgia Tech campus is right beside the Coca-Cola headquarters. The chairman and CEO emeritus of AT&T, David Dorman, a tech alum, the former president and CEO of Walmart, Mike Duke. How about, more importantly, the president and CEO of Waffle House, Walter Amer, Georgia Tech class of 1989. Former head of Delta Airlines, a tech alum. I mean, it's all over the place. How about the founder and president of Mayfield Dairy, Scotty Mayfield, Georgia Tech class of 1973. That might explain why Mayfield Dairies has that kind of gold color combination on their dairy products. The former CEO of Dollar General, David Perdue. The former Georgia senator, by the way, too, David Perdue. And how about this one? The CEO currently of GameStop, J. Paul Raines, class of 85. All right, so you know Georgia Tech's done so darn good in business world. Politics-wise, Sam Nunn, the great Georgia senator, a Georgia Tech alum. Ivan Allen, mayor of Atlanta, who helped get the Atlanta Braves to come to that city. Ivan Allen, Jr., class of 1933. They've also had people in the aerospace, a lot of 
astronauts Eric Bow, Michael Clifford, Georgia Tech alum. And then again, from the sports world, it's a very long list. I better skip over that one for now and tell you about some of the other arts and entertainment people. First of all, how about, as I said, Jeff Foxworthy, class of 1979. That's when Jeff Foxworthy would have been a Georgia Tech graduate, but he did not graduate. That's fine, Jeff. You, you, you're doing okay there. Also, Randolph Scott. Whatever happened to Randolph Scott? Well, Randolph Scott the movie star of the 40s and 50s, is a Georgia Tech alumnus, class of 1924. And I mentioned John Sally. I had forgot about this. The great basketball player with the Chicago Bulls, Georgia Tech class of 88, also is known in the entertainment world as co-host of the best damn sports show, period. Georgia Tech alum. Then you have in that athletics world, let me just focus in if I can on some football people if I could pull up a good list of athletes maybe there's just so many I, I, I don't know if I can do this all it's, it's, it, it just is not fair alright let me see what I got here yeah they have their own listing of just athletes from Georgia Tech first of all John Heisman has a connection to Georgia Tech don't want to leave that out but also other greats of Georgia Tech history. So many. Let me see if I can't. Reggie Ball. That was a big name back in the mid-2000s, quarterback for Georgia Tech. You also have, let me see here, Jason Bostic, played cornerback in the NFL. Keith Brooking. Remember, he was a big-time Atlanta Falcons player, played for the Cowboys as well, linebacker in the NFL, Georgia Tech player. How about Frank Broyles, Georgia Tech Hall of Famer, went on to coach the Arkansas Razorbacks and was a longtime athletic director and Atlanta native, Frank Broyles. Jim Carlin. Jim Carlin was once the head coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks. He was a former Georgia Tech football player. You also have a Heisman Trophy candidate from the early days of the 40s, Clint Castleberry, Georgia Tech alum. Bill Curry, beloved player at Georgia Tech, went on to be a coach. He actually coached Alabama at one time. Georgia Tech, class of 64. And then his last coaching gig was the first head football coach of the Georgia State Panthers, Bill Curry. Also in the world of football from Georgia Tech, you have – Oh, man, this list is so long. I'm trying to – there's so many names. I'm trying to pull out ones that you'll be like, oh, really? How about Joe Hamilton, Georgia Tech 2000 class? He was the first-team All-American quarterback in 1999 and a Heisman Trophy finalist, Joe Hamilton, who I think was from Berkeley County, South Carolina originally. I'm just going to have to stop. I, I This list is so long I hadn't even got out of the H's yet. So that's a lot. Go look up for yourself. All the great alumni of Georgia Tech, whether they're business world or they're perhaps football alumni, as I was just rattling through that list. What an exclusive club of, of, of people that have called Georgia Tech home. All right, now to some more fun stuff about Georgia Tech. The traditions at the Georgia Institute of Technology. How about Buzz, that beloved mascot, that little yellow jacket? who made his first campus appearance in 1980 
and is the world-famous and beloved mascot of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets is Buzz. Buzz gets Tech fans cheering at nearly all of the Institute's intercollegiate sporting events. And I've seen Buzz in person. I have had some youngsters with me get their picture with Buzz. In fact, how about this? The youngster that I was with, I just happened to see Buzz at the same time the Ramblin' Wreck was right beside me. And I got a photo of my youngster in the back seat, or whatever you call that in the the old Model A Fords, the seat in the back. Youngsters hanging out in the seat with Buzz, the mascot, hugging him, all while in the car in the Ramblin' Wreck Model A Ford. That's a pretty cool picture. And I have that. Buzz, again, the great mascot of Georgia Tech. And then you got two different Ramblin' Wrecks. You got the fight song, and then you've got the car, and then you got the fact that Georgia Tech's often called the, the Yellow Jackets the Ramblin' Wreck. So let me first tell you about the Ramblin' Wreck Model A Ford. This 1930 Model A Ford donated to Georgia Tech in 1961 by Captain Ted Johnson. He had purchased this car and restored the car for his son. This Model A Ford appears on the field at Bobby Dodd Stadium at all home football games and other events as a symbol of Georgia Tech. A second Model A was purchased and restored by the Alumni Association in the 1980s, and it is used at alumni events. A third 1930 Model A Ford was purchased and restored by the Georgia Tech Foundation and it is parked in the lobby of the Georgia Tech Hotel, which I've seen that right across from campus in downtown Atlanta. You can go see that and get your picture. It, it's the color of the Model A Ford that kind of is, is the color that Georgia Tech goes by. They, from my knowledge, use the car to guide their choice of that gold used by the Institute and its athletic teams. So that's a pretty neat car story. And a lot of other High schools or other colleges have even mimicked using a car to guide a football team out on the field on a Friday or Saturday. Georgia Tech, I think, gets the honor of being the first school to do that with the 1930 Model A Ford. So that's a tradition there at Georgia Tech with the Ramblin' Wreck. How about the fight song? That's probably the more famous Ramblin' Wreck. The words and music for Georgia Tech's world-famous Ramblin' Wreck fight song were inspired by an old folk ballad, The Sons of the Gambleers. The name Ramblin' Wreck gained widespread acceptance in the 1920s when Georgia Tech graduates began building makeshift mechanical buggies to improve a poor transportation system in South America. Hmm. So you have this Ramblin' Wreck song that Georgia Tech and fans of Georgia Tech, and students of Georgia Tech live by. Now, they also have the fight song, Up With The White and Gold. I love that song. It's a real catchy, upbeat song. I can't play that one for you because I'm talking about the Ramblin' Wreck song. So, once again, as we continue our discussion of Georgia Tech, let me pull out my best singing voice and discuss Ramblin' Wreck while doing my best impression of the song and you can help me sing along if you're a georgia tech person you should know the words if not bear with me as i do my best ramblin wreck sing along here on the y'all show as we discuss the traditions and fun 
of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. All right, Georgia Tech band, let's get us started here. I'll do my best. I'm a rambling wreck from Georgia Tech and a hell of an engineer. A hell of 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 an engineer. Like all the jolly good fellows, I drink my whiskey clear. I'm a rambling wreck from Georgia Tech and a hell of an engineer. Oh, if I had a daughter, sir, I'd dress her in white and gold. And put her on the campus to cheer the brave and bold. But if I had a son, sir, I tell you what he'd do. He would yell to hell with Georgia like his daddy used to do. Oh, I wish I had a barrel rum and sugar, 3,000 pounds. A college bell to put it in and clap her to stir it round. I drink to all the good fellows who come from far and near. I'm a gambling, gambling, hell of an engineer. Hey! All right, how do you think I did there? Ramblin' Rick from Georgia Tech here as the Jackets are featured school today. Also, if you go to the Tech campus, you will hear the whistle. The whistle is a long-time part of Georgia Tech. It is believed to have come to Georgia Tech way back in 1896. The steam whistle was meant to mimic the industrial whistles of the 1890s. It called the students to their shop classes back in the day. Today... The whistle on the Georgia Tech campus is operated by a computerized atomic clock that releases the steam. The whistle blows five minutes to the hour to end classes on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. It has a different schedule on Tuesdays and Thursdays. It also blows after Georgia Tech touchdowns during home football games. All right, so I've told you about the whistle, and you know we can't sit here and talk about said whistle until you get to hear it for yourself. I know you've always wanted to hear the whistle on the Georgia Tech campus, and I think we have it. Let's see here. Let's see if this helps. Steven Gerardo. I'm the Associate Vice Provost for Undergraduate Education, my next-door neighbor. All right, here we go. Got to rewind here. Here we go. Uh, Be cognizant of when the whistle... I don't know if I'd want to hear that every day <laughs> if I were a tech student. I think that would get old fast. But, hey, it's part of the tradition at Georgia Tech. Also at Georgia Tech, the RATS Week is a tradition. RATS stands for Recently Acquired Tech Students, and that's also known as Orientation Week for new students when first-year students learn about Georgia Tech's campus traditions. Again, a school full of a lot of pageantry. Remember, it was Georgia Tech, the only college that I'm aware of, certainly the only college in the South that had one of the coolest covers I've ever seen of Marilyn Monroe. And if you know what I'm talking about, it's just worth reminding you that way back on Look Magazine, they had Marilyn Monroe posing in a Georgia Tech sweater. Beautiful color picture of beautiful Marilyn Monroe and her big, beautiful Georgia Tech tee. Go look that up sometime. Look Magazine, Georgia Tech, and you'll see Marilyn Monroe. That plus so many other fun things about this special place in the South. The Georgia Institute of Technology. It's been a real, real tweet treat here. I got the whistle on my mind. (laughs) I got the whistle on my mind because we're running out of time here on today's y'all show, and that whistle's going to blow here in a few minutes, and I better shut up. But while I have a chance, I'm going to still keep telling you about the Institute. 
Stay tuned on the Wednesday Y'all Show. We'll be taking you from Atlanta to College Station, Texas. The Texas A&M Aggies will be our featured school, and we'll talk about the traditions. Talk about traditions. Texas A&M's got a whole uh, 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 trainload of traditions. We'll discuss that, plus Jimbo Fisher's 21 schedule and more. That's coming up on the Wednesday Y'all Show, so don't miss out on that. When the Y'all Show continues, we will give you a quick accent on Southern Arts Entertainment. Melissa Rhodes will be having that for us here. And that is just ahead on the show that's all about the South. Y'all talk with a Southern accent. So stay tuned. Come back with us. 803-816-1170 is the way to get in touch with us here on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. And don't forget, our website is... Y-A-L-L.com. So, again, another tradition I should have told you about. In Georgia Tech world, when someone asks you, what's the good word? You fire back, to hell with Georgia. So, to hell with Georgia, I say, we'll be right back with more y'all. Southern Accent. Here's what's entertaining the South from y'all.com. I'm Melissa Rhodes. Tedeschi Trucks Band is a Grammy-winning Jacksonville-based blues and rock band featuring Allman Brothers band member Derek Trucks and his wife of 20 years, Susan Tedeschi. Susan, an alum of the prestigious Berkeley College of Music, is a lead vocalist, rhythm guitarist, and lead guitarist in the band. And she's quite the primetime picker, as Premier Guitar on YouTube found out backstage at the Ryman Auditorium. This is my number one. This is a 1970 Sunburst Stratocaster, Fender, awesome. of course. And my husband bought me this. He said, what's your dream guitar? Because I wanted to retire my telly. I do have a telly out here, of course. Always do. You were always but, a um, telly. Uh, yeah. So telly was really my first main thing. This is my second telly I ever owned. Layla Revisited, Live at Lockin' is the Tedeschi Trucks Band's brand new album. Entertainment, headlines, and more at y'all.com. All right. That is great information from Melissa Rose. How about that? Derek's Trucks and his longtime wife with a very, very powerful Jacksonville, Florida-based sound. Got to check that one out when I am having a few extra dollars in my pocket. Might be well worth the purchase there on outlets like iTunes and Spotify. Some good southern rock sounds, it sounds like. Y'all has one little tiny segment left here. We want you to stick around as we wrap up this Tuesday Y'all show. This is a conversation about the South that you've listened and have been listening to and tuned in. We'll be right back to close it all up.
Final segment of this y'all show. Thank y'all so very much for being along on the ride today. We've had a great, great couple of hours. And if you missed any portion of the show all about the South, got a couple of easy ways for you to catch up with Dixie and its official talk show, The Y'all Show. You can find us at y'all.com, the South's homepage. We're also available on Spotify. You can go there and search for Y'all Show. And our big, beautiful red, white, and black logo is awaiting your free download. You can also get the Y'all Show on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. You can really show off next time you're at the beauty parlor by rattling off all those great podcast options of the Y'all Show. Just be the envy of your whole neighborhood, the hero of the cul-de-sac, by rattling off all those podcast options of the Y'all Show with your host, John Raw, little Mary Chapin Carpenter, and oh, the bug. Great song from her back from the mid-1990s to kind of wind things down here on the Y'all Show. Hey, speaking of bugs... This is the time of year in certain portions of the South you might have a couple of encounters with horse flies. And I just had my first real bad encounter with one a couple of weeks ago. And I did a little research here as a public service to all y'all. What time of year do horse flies bite? See, I'd never experienced a horse fly bite that I'm aware of until just a couple of weeks ago. Horse flies of the South love damp areas and hot weather. So it's summertime, they like the summertime, but they also love damp areas. During the summer months, horse flies are likely, you're going to find them in pasture lands near creeks, damp woodlands, and in long grasses. And horse fly season is generally between May and September. So happy horse fly season to all y'all. And let me tell you a word from the wise here. If you're going to be anywhere in the outdoors... Over the next five, six weeks in large portions of the south. And you're going to be where it's also damp, like near a creek or woodlands or long grasses. As a public service to all y'all, so that you don't have to go through the agony that I went through, please, please wear a long sleeve shirt, long pants. And I know it's summertime, but I've been bitten by mosquitoes. I've been bitten by fleas. I've been bitten by wasps and, and, and yellow jackets and things like that. And those are awful in their own way. Don't get me wrong. But I had no idea the pain and the lingering pain and the absolute grossness of a horse fly bite. The way it just kind of stays with you for several weeks until I went through it firsthand just a few weeks ago. And you know what? Coming to think about it. I was outside in the summertime, so check on the summer months on the list of where you're more likely going to get bitten by a horse fly. Yep, check on that one being out in the summer. I was also near a creek. Check on that one. And it also had been raining the whole night before I went out to this area. So check, check, check. As a result, John got stung, stung, stung. And they were all over me. They kind of look, if you're not familiar with the horse fly, the ones that I saw, they look like miniature yellow jackets. I knew they weren't yellow jackets, but they look kind of like yellow. I'm lucky. I'm a survivor. I'm lucky I got out of that thing. 
But no, not to make light of it. They're, they're, they're nasty, nasty creatures when they decide to bite you, and we hope that you won't have any kind of experience like I did here recently. Well, you know what else is going to be biting you hard and maybe a little prettier than a horsefly? The Y'all Show is biting back with a Wednesday episode. On our Wednesday episode, tune in. Texas A&M is our featured school. We'll have business news and sports news and a whole lot more on this, the show that covers everything Southern. John Rawl signing off of the Y'all Show, powered by y'all.com.